Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Ooh, and we are here for... I've been wanting to cover this film with Chris for so long, but I didn't want to scare him off. I thought... You want to cover me with this film? (laughs) (laughs) Just to obscure you, possibly. I don't know. Um, So I have ended up down a two-week rabbit hole of... (laughs) So much stuff um, that I will get into uh, when it is my turn. But before I get all carried away and excited, Chris, what have you been watching? Well, thanks to Adam, probably predominantly, I've been watching uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Yay! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, So the last episode I watched was The Baron Night Out on the Town. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Yeah, it is just just great quality entertainment, isn't it? Uh, oh, you know, it's... An, an ancient vampire baron wanting to eat, and he's barren because he's got no penis, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, and he wants to eat the pizza pie. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's gonna do. And they're all sucking on drug blood. We've had we've had all the drug blood. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just yeah, you're not going wrong really. And the thing is, we drank, it, is it, it we drank blood of people who were on drugs? Yeah. And now we're on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how? How's I? Surely that's happened in another vampire thing before, and yet I was like, I don't think I have seen anything. There's a. There's a line. This is this is going to out me a bit. There's a line in Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, when uh, when, <laughs> when Spike. Says, we need more of those sound effects. <laughs> you might get more than you bargained for. She she's got a burp. Oh, sorry, I was going to cover for you, right? Um, but um, yeah, uh, th- yeah. There's a line in Buffy the Vampire Slayer where Spike says he was at Woodstock and he, what was it? I fed off a flower person and then spent the next two days watching my hand move. <laughs> so. <it's- laughs> now, now, just to get a bit controversial, is Spike he who must not be named? Um, a well, is it not Josh Whedon? I don't actually know. I've oh, just, yes, I've yeah, just no, heard, he's... I've heard a little bit of a something. Yeah, no, it turns out Josh Whedon's just a prick. All right, that's, okay, that's <laughs> no, but like properly. A prick, Did he not play it? a spike then? Actually, no, that's oh, okay. James Masters. Uh, who you can tell I've never watched any Buffy, who's not know. really, who's not really. Dumb. He had like a couple of films, but he's one of those ones that's not really done much. Okay. Despite the fact at the time it was like, oh well, he's going to he be was, the breakout star. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's no. funny how that happens. Yeah, you just end up getting confused um, with the bloke who played Cyclops in X Men. <laughs> or was that him? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, so Chris, I can guarantee you as well that the uh, the quality doesn't drop off on what we do in the shadows, mm. which mm. is what I re- like. The first series was so strong, I was a little bit worried when they were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to do more series." I was like, oh, "Have they kind of covered Ooh. all the bases?" But it, it just keeps going and going, and it it doesn't. If anything, it kind of gets better and better as it goes. So, if yeah. you like that type of comedy, it's just it's yeah. all good, really. I think the smartest thing, which is why the film is smart, Mm. is that it has that element of 
you know, oh, look, this is us brushing up against reality. What would be the thing of like, like, oh, we fed on some people on drugs. So now we're experiencing what they, what the drugs do to them. Yeah. But mainly it's a character thing. Mm. It's the characters that you are funny. You like following their story. It's not a. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like they're really, and the film has that and the series definitely does. You're quite happy to go along with their side of things. With it doesn't have to just be about how does this work in a modern world or how do you interact with humans because they don't that much. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, is that they feed off humans, but that's about it. That's so, it. It's... Yeah. and um, and there's been a few. Uh, well, the, in that one, or it was the one after, um, a few cameos of some uh, rather prominent actors. And in fact, oh, yes. one one of the guys I don't know his name, but I think he appeared in Book of Boba Fett. He was the Rancor. Um, he bought the Rancor. Oh, well, Danny in, I'm Tra- sure. Yeah, Danny Is that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just oh, Danny Trey. Recognise him? Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he's been in quite a few things, hasn't he? Is it, like yeah, but Book of Boba Fett, I think, is almost entirely directed by Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> so technically, Danny Trejo has to be there. Mm. <laughs> it's. I don't, I don't know what blood pact it is, but right. yeah, it's official. But was, he in, was, he in, was it Dust Till Dawn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. He's in from Dust Till Dawn. Is he in from Dust Till Dawn? Yeah, I'm sure he yeah, is. Yeah, he is, yeah. 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 But and yeah, obviously, no. Machete, Machete kills. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Danny Trejo is fantastic. He is. Um. So, Adam, what have you been watching? Um, so I, I assume you... Is that all you've been watching, Chris? Anything else or just... Um, well, I've also been watching Foundation. But that's, that's not, it's not really horror. So it's okay. We can, we can move on. But is, I, actually, I would say every episode is getting way better. So if anyone does have Apple TV, you like sci-fi, fairly serious sci-fi with some maths thrown in, it's, it's it's there. It's pretty good, I'd say. I have had it recommended to me, and it is on uh, my list. Um, and yeah. if it wasn't for all the stuff I've smashed through in the last couple of weeks, yeah. I might have even started it. But uh, yeah, I will it's, get to it definitely. The first few episodes, bit little bit, wasn't sure, but it's some good elements. But yeah, each one now we we we've got. Um, I think there's ten in the first series. We've got one and a half left, and yeah, each one is like, oh, I'm tempted to watch another one, but you know. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, Chris. No, 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 that's fine. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to mention that, but I thought let's throw it in there. <laughs> seeing as Adam came back to me, but yeah, carry on, go for it. Um, well, uh, after still on a slight hangover of um, John dies at the end, mm. um, I went back and watched Resolution, which is a film by Benson and Moorhead, who did The Endless and. Uh, uh, synchronic and spring mm. and lots of lots of I know Lee wasn't keen on Chris yeah well I, I like the and, titles if anything yeah well that well certainly but the thing is with resolution is I think that is the one that might convince Lee mm. because it is a very strongly comedic film and weird shit happens <laughs> in that basically it's guy gets a video from his mate 
of him smoking crack and firing guns in the woods and just yeah so he leaves his uh, he leaves his pregnant wife and says look I've got to go and sort this out and she's like back at him saying like go and see him see if you can get him to go to rehab rather than go to rehab he goes there handcuffs him to the radiator and basically says look you're going to go cold turkey on crack um and then afterwards tell me if you want to go to rehab or you want to sort your life out this is like mm. the last which by the way sounds fucking deathly serious mm. but the interaction of the two guys particularly the guy who is the addict? Oh man, it is so fucking funny. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. He, the best, the best way I can recommend it to Lee certainly is that imagine it's Henry Zabrowski chained to a wall while someone <laughs> makes him withdraw from crack. It's very much that same sort of vibe and energy. And yeah, but the weird side of it is nicely weird as well because basically uh, what the one who's sort of like babysitting him while he comes off um starts finding like pictures left around the building and like around the house and like reel-to-reel tapes and old cine film and things like that and then finally at one point while they're having a conversation he says to him yeah but you sent me that video and it's like, no, I didn't send you a video. <laughs> and so suddenly they realise that they're actually observed mm. in some way. Oh. And it's really fucking, yeah. And I would say, I would say give it a go, Lee, because I know, and I think actually, because the other thing with it is that I watched The Endless first and Resolution kind of is a prequel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to have seen Resolution for The Endless to work, although at one point in The Endless you do go, oh, fuck, right now, mm. right now I know what these guys are doing. I remember, actually, when we watched The Endless, I'm sure you said, yeah, those two guys in the shack have got their own side movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and you discussed it when we covered The Endless. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I might give it a go. I remember you recommending it at the time, but I've written yeah, it down again. I would say that because also I think I think you'd quite like Spring um, and Synchronic is just very fucking good. You know, one of those things where you just put it on and it's like, this is an efficiently stuck, told story. It feels like John Carpenter or something like that, where it's like that sort of mm. just, you ain't fucking around. Here's the story. Here's the high concept. Right, you've got it. Right, we're going with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really yeah. I really recommend that. I like I like all their stuff to be honest. Um, but yeah, I really uh, I really like that. But yeah, that was as I say, that was kind of like a holdover. Where it was like something a bit John dies at the end. I don't know, but it's got <laughs> that because it's got that same character interaction of just sort of like yeah. Um, anyway. Also, uh, and that was obviously, see, I've, I've, I've segued all this. This is great. Um, <laughs> and obviously that was, that was if we watched John Dies at the End as my birthday film. Very kindly, Chris got me um, a Blu-ray of It Happened Here, mm. um, which is from 1968. And it's basically a what happened if Germany took over 
England during the Second World War. Hmm. So basically, we surrender and then we're an occupied nation, same as France or whatever like that. And it was it's fucking good. And so, and then it just takes such a dark turn at the end mm. because it's like, well, much like Nazi Germany took a dark turn at the end, shall we <laughs> politely put it or ridiculously put it? It's like, yeah, as, and you just follow someone who's quite ordinary and it's, and it's really weird because coming out of the, well, not coming out of the pandemic, but choosing to ignore the pandemic as appears mm. to be this the solution now. Um, is there's loads of bits where it's like they're saying, yeah, but you know they're rounding up people, or you know they're they're doing this, they're doing that, they're killing people or whatever, and people are all quite. Yes, I know it's authoritarian, but it'd be just nice to get back to normal, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. or like, oh, I got an extra potato on my ration. Yeah, you know, so it's it's proving it is working. You know, <laughs> and everyone's kind of like. Well, if we just work with them, mm. you know, that's the new administration. Let's just get on with it because it's a lot easier than the fucking war was. Yeah. You know, and it's so sort of hot. It's horrifying in that manner. And then you follow this woman through who's a nurse. And I mean, I'm going to right. People can skip a couple of minutes because I think it, I just want to say, basically, this nurse ends up working for the only nursing organisation, which is a fascist-run nursing organisation. Um, a couple of friends of hers have taken in... because Oh, there's partisans as well. So America is funding British partisans. So they're still like... like Much like the resistance in France, there's people like hold out in the woods and stuff like that who are still waging war on the occupying uh, German forces. Mm. So you've got that in there, and then she she just happens to know some people who get mixed up. Well, basically, they are partisan sympathisers. They end up look, having the um, having an injured partisan at their house, and it gets found out. They get taken away, and yeah, you don't see them again, mm. and that's it. And there's no explanation given, and she gets demoted and sent to the country to work in a different hospital but it seems like a much better hospital because it's all like no it's not like the fashion you know like london's sort of fascist led thing we don't believe in that here and everything so she gets to dress as a nurse rather than a stormtrooper and stuff like that which uh, it sounds ridiculous but it's not in the context of the thing and yeah so she goes and works at this place and it's like a sanatorium in the country and they have a group of miners brought in who've got tb um, including uh, a small child, and they give them their uh, sedative at night. And she and like this nurse is helping out. They give her the sedatives. Uh, give them the sedatives at night, and um, yeah, she goes off shift. Comes back the next day, all the beds are empty, and basically they've been administering lethal doses as would have been the same in Germany at the time of for ill and disabled and incurable uh, patients. Mm. And it's just so fucking horrific. And this, like I say, and the film really, it's brilliant. And 
so well done. It was filmed over eight years <laughs> because it's actually directed by when they started, the directors were 18 and 16. Yeah. And yeah. And in the end, they were doing this movie and it got so sort of people were putting money in, you know, and everything mm -hmm. else. Like that. And quite famous directors, like I think Kubrick donated film stock that was left over from um, Dr. Strangelove. And all this, you know, people were really sort of chipping in in this sort of thing. And it's like, no, this is something worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's fucking amazing. So thank you, Chris. Yeah. And it is one of those things where I would say, go into it knowing, knowing what it is. Mm. But fuck me, it's so good and so fucking. It still hits hard. Yeah, it mm. really does. And as I say, there's those you do still get those sort of parallels. Like I said, when it's when it's mostly just British people being sort of like, well, I got an extra ounce of backy, yeah. and um, you know <laughs> the buses are running again. Yeah. So you know what's what's the problem really? You know. And um, what what did the Nazis ever do for us? Well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, apart from that, and this I think will probably feed quite into Lee's uh, thing. So I watched I watched Tokyo Gore Police a couple of nights ago and then yesterday it was like, again, what do you do? So I went for a film that features the special effects of the director and special effects guy of Tokyo Gore Police, uh, Robo Geisha. Yes. Which is... And here's the best bit is it's a film I've been meaning for Claire to see because I thought she'd sort of quite enjoy it um, because it's fucking mad. I mean, like Tokyo Gore Police is saying, but um, yeah, uh, sort of, I was like, oh, I don't know, should I watch it? Will I end up getting confused between the two? And Claire, but like within two seconds of the opening, Claire was like, you're not going to get this confused, are you? <laughs> like, no, no, really not. It's, you know, so similar and so not similar is quite, an impressive sort of thing, mm. but yeah. And um, it does actually have a cam cameo from uh, the uh, the director of Tokyo Gore Police as well. Mm. Uh, he's one of the he's he's one of the yakuza bosses who gets killed off in like a montage. Oh, nice! I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, yeah, which is just the story. The well, it's it's what it says on the tin. It's Robo. <laughs> now uh, now so, you took you took my slogan away from me. Yeah, I was going to use no, that for Tokyo Gore Place. Yeah. <laughs> now this is an interesting thing I've been thinking about though, and I shouldn't be, but there's like so Robo Geisha, Tokyo Gore Police. Um, you know, there's there's others that are a bit more obscure, but. A lot of the time, it always sounds a bit... Basically, porn films used to be sort of puns or, uh, you know, yeah. they'd be sort of like um, tits in the trees. I don't know. So, mm. You know, something a bit more romantic, um, maybe. <laughs> but but because, of because of pornography is now driven purely by computers and the internet, all porn titles are now like shopping lists because it works with algorithms. 
for searching. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's... So it, we've lost I that. I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to speculate. But you, <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be like um, teen urban gorilla... Um, big tits. I don't know. You know, something like that that would then. I was trying. What to... are you watching? Well, I was trying to. I was trying to find something that wasn't. Well, basically, didn't sound. Didn't sound like, a, like I'd actually looked it up. But, um, well, it's but funny. yeah, and I, I I get that sort of same thing with Japanese like translations of mm. like the Brit the English translations of Japanese titles have that same thing to me where it's like I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen they become very literal yeah yeah and, and I wonder if that would help in these days that people are sort of like should films start going that more yeah like, you know like evil space bastard you know something <laughs> like that that gives you actually it's it's very much a low it's a low budget horror thing definitely because it goes back it's kind of like exploitation films I suppose yeah it goes back to that, you know, where it's like the uh, um, sort of, you know, just the night manglers or something that's quite sort of, and that's, yeah. I'm going to stop now because I sort of feel I've gone up a blind alley of a tangent. Uh, and, that and the thing is, you've I'm led, lost in. You've led perfectly into one of my films. So I wasn't sure where I was mm. going to start with what I've been watching, but that's perfect. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, so I watched Robo Geisha as well. Um, yep. I also watched The Machine Girl. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, which, again, exactly the same vein. Um, and then yep. also watch one called Kuyunyu Dragon is the mm. Japanese Ooh. title. Um, but How does that as, translate? As Adam said, it was released in the UK as Big Tit Zombie. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> Which is a lie because there isn't a big tit zombie in it. It's uh, a group of strippers who find a secret door in the green room uh, that leads to uh, an occultist's lair. And one of them, the goth one, reads from a book and brings back zombies. Uh, and mm. they have to fight them in order to stop them from getting out and uh, attacking Japan. So, uh, yes, it, it's one of those. I heard about it because it was originally... Um, uh, it, it was around this same period that all these films were coming out uh, and it was mm. based on a graphic novel. So I was like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah. And then when they announced what the title was going to be, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be on my Amazon list for the rest of my life now. Do I really want to <laughs> pre-order that? And I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Who's looking at my Amazon list? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the that's the point as well. Is, yeah, but I think sometimes that... The, I mean, obviously, the problem with algorithms is that it fundamentally means you have to repeat the same mistakes. Mm. So, you you know, you have to get... Right, so we have to keep refining this by fucking this up every single fucking time. <laughs> you know, like, like Groundhog Day, but <laughs> with generations and fucking aeons. Um, but, but I digress. This might be just a fundamental opposition that I have. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so I watched those. Uh, I then realised, I was talking to someone recently about uh, Guillermo del Toro and realised that I, I had a period in the 90s, uh. in the sort of 90s, when I didn't watch a lot of films. I was living in a bedsit 
and uh, my girlfriend at the time much preferred playing PlayStation to watching stuff. So I, I didn't really see anything for a while. And because of that, I missed Blade 2. And as a result, I therefore never saw Blade 3 either. So this week, I've gone back and rewatched all of the Blade movies. Mm. Well, I say rewatched. I rewatched Blade and then the, the and then, two subsequent yeah. movies. Um, they're so much more fun than I remember the first one being. It's so... I don't think I'd realise just how sort of nod to... Uh, literally, there's bits when he looks in the camera and delivers mm. the most ridiculous role. Wesley Snipes is phenomenally good in these mm. in those films. Um, yeah, and I really, really enjoyed them as a trilogy. They still look really good, except for Blade Sword, which looks like he's bought it in a pound shop. It's the most <laughs> plastic, shit-looking thing I've seen in my... And the thing is, once you've realised how crap-looking it is, it's always on his back. You can't not see it. It just mm. looks gash. But other than that, it that they still hold up and they're you know they're great fun. Um, yeah, I didn't realise that. Worry sometimes when they put that much money into it, and it's like, well, it it's on his back, so we'll have to have it soft. So if he falls yeah. over or whatever like that, yeah. But like the BBC can do a convincing frying, frying pan that you can hit someone with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what what are you spending your money on? Come on. Yeah, so so we watched the third one just before we started recording tonight, as I say, the first time. So I knew Ryan Reynolds was in it. Mm. Uh, I didn't realise he was basically playing Deadpool in it, which was... Mm. Oh, OK. Um, yeah, yeah, he plays the exact same smart ass. never knows when to keep his mouth shut, always <laughs> got a funny line no matter how much he's getting the shit kicked out of him. Um, <laughs> and then Natasha Leone's in it, Patton Oswald's in it. It's just... Oh, it's, right. Fantastic car. So, yeah, I was totally blown away by that. And, yeah, it made for a great is, weekend. Is the third one Gilmero del Toro? I uh, don't think so, no. Uh, it's only Blade 2, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, as I say, and, and uh, Wesley Snipes, so I sort of remember Wesley Snipes overacting in it, which he totally does. It, but, yeah. but it's when he does the sort of look to camera and does the, You've got to be kidding, right? That it just you like, oh, he's totally in on it. And it's mm. and I missed that the first time round, I think. Although I enjoyed the film, I think I missed that it didn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, I think I was yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. To have fully taken well, that in. But yeah, fantastic. Well, if I remember rightly, that came out around Blade and that came out around about the same time as the first underworld film. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which did take itself massively far too fucking seriously. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's why the Blade films are so much better because they know they're ridiculous. Yeah. And they just go, and it gets more ludicrous as it <laughs> goes. You know, in the first one, he has to have injections to stop him from going mm. full vamp. And by the third one, he's just got this mouthpiece, like a gum shield, and he just puts it in and chews on it, and then he's fine again. It's <laughs> like it's just ludicrous, but awesome. So they're probably things that come from the comics, though. Yeah, quite possibly. Do you know what I mean? It might have been that they, as writers come in, they always up stuff or change it round, and it's like, oh, well, that's a fucking pain in the ass. Let's write this. Yeah. So I wonder if it's, because they, certainly I know that they do it very well with, um, like, Marvel stuff of putting mm. in the sort of comic beats in a way, you know, so you get that. They still have the proper backstory or the significant backstory. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, oh, so much fun. Um, so from that, I then uh, went on to a load of Japanese stuff because I, I've 
always been loved Japanese culture and history, and I've been really into that since I was a kid. So I do every now and again just go through a wave of watching like Japanese films. So I dug all my all my stuff out, and then I didn't watch any of it, and I watched loads of like Hollywood versions of uh, Japanese films. So I watched Forty Seven Ronin from oh, yeah uh, twenty thirteen, uh, the Keanu Reeves movie, um, with Hiroyuki Sanada as well, who's just one of the greatest actors ever. Um, this film is a total guilty pleasure of mine i know it really isn't a great film but this is probably about the eighth time i've seen it so <laughs> it, it's well worth it. it's a it's a stupid action movie but yeah set in feudal japan so how wrong can you go with that um after that i watched black rain from 1989 Ooh, with michael with... douglas yes the ridley scott movie yeah uh, I wasn't going to watch it, but I saw, I've not listened to the latest Not For Everyone podcast, but I did see on there that they, uh, that somebody watched it. I think it was Adam recently watched it. So I think it was, it was yeah. yeah. So it was in the description and it reminded me last night when I had not much on. So I decided to give that another go. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Really enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's so 80s, it's kind of painful, but if you like 80s trash... It's, yeah, I I always remembered the trailer for it. Yeah, looked funny because it was it was on loads of fucking films at one point, like um, videos at one point, like yeah. rental. And but the trailer always it looked like because you've got you've got the setting and everything else like that, and slow mo guns and stuff like that. It really looked quite Blade Runner. Mm. It, it, it's funny that's what i always got from it and it's all in the dark and there's lots of neon mm. so yeah it's totally got that blade runner feel isn't john Car didn't john carpenter write it or some, something oh. i'm sure there's something connection with john carpenter with it or am i I'm, i might be oh shit i might be thinking of that fucking film with tommy lee jones and a supercar <laughs> Oh, I don't know what that is, but I want to see. Oh, that remember. sounds like something Lee would want to watch. Yeah, it actually, I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's quite an early film. John Carpenter wrote it, but he didn't direct it with Tommy Lee Jones. And basically, he's got a a, a night rider, you know, like a sort of mm -hmm. government supercar, and. Uh, that, that is literally what I can remember. So, yeah. I, I am you know, right. Which, which I don't think is a comment on the film, but I think it might be a comment on what state I watched the film in. <laughs> I've written it down, so I'll find out what that is tomorrow. Black uh, Moon Rising? Okay. Something like that. Yeah. I shall look for that. Uh, then after that had finished, it was only midnight and I was still going. So I watched for the first time 13 Assassins, the Takeshi Miike film. Oh, yes. Wow. What yeah. a movie that is. Yeah. No, that is pretty fucking awesome. His, it's, it's weird because he's done so much. Because, um, I mean, I, I would imagine by the time, certainly from the time we started this podcast, if I'd written down how many films he'd done, he'd already done two more by now. <laughs> so I've had to have like shade, shade the estimate a bit but 
because he's done so much, but he does his like crime and yakas and stuff. He's fucking terrific, you know. Yeah. And it's weird because you assume because it's um, because it's him, you assume that it's going to be fucking mad because that's the other side of things that you get with him and it isn't necessary but they do he does meld it now and again really fucking well well this did like it started off really grim at the beginning because mm. so so the for anyone who hasn't seen it the story is the the shogun's got a half brother and he's getting on a bit and he's worried the well the emperor has said he's gonna put his half brother in to replace the shogun at some point soon but the half brother is a fucking head case um, who just murders and mutilates and is just an absolute animal. Um, so to stop him, the Shogun basically hires an assassin and says, look, can you put a team together and take him out? Because there's no way he can be running this country. Um, and this group of assassins go after him. So the beginning of it is just all the stories of what this animal has done. And it's really horrific. But then it's got some really comical moments in it as well. Once it gets going later on, like, the guy mm. they pick, the 13th member who they pick up in the jungle when they're crossing the mountain, to, as he starts off as a guide, and then at the end he says, oh, no, I'm going to stick with you guys. One of the samurai sneaks up behind him and clubs him with a great big trunk of a tree to knock him out, and he just turns around and goes, what? What do you want? <laughs> like, like as if the guy had tapped him on the shoulder. Another one comes up and clubs him again, and he turns around and goes, why are you all trying to get my attention? And then nobody's talking to him. He doesn't work out that they're trying to knock him unconscious. And they're like, this guy's really tough. He's an idiot, but he's really tough. So they just take him into battle with two boulders wrapped up in ropes rather than swords. And he just clubs the living shit out of everyone with them. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, it is. It's that thing where tonally it's kind of up and down, but somehow mm. it just makes it work. And it's epic. Mm. Fantastic. Um, the next thing I watched after that, Adam, if you haven't, this is what I was saying to you before we started recording. Adam, if you haven't seen this, it is a crime. Have yeah. you seen Shamurai Shampoo? I've never even fucking heard of it. Right. So it's the same guy who did uh, a Cowboy Bebop. Oh, right. Okay. It's an, it's a, so it's an anime series about two samurai and a young girl trying to track down a... Uh, basically, she wants to find this samurai, but all she knows mm -hmm. is he smells of sunflowers. She rescues two samurai from being executed at the beginning, so they've got, like, a blood pact and have to stay with her until they find this samurai she's looking for. Um, but it's all hip-hop and stuff in all the cutaways in between and all the fight sequences have hip-hop music playing over them. It's so you. It's just fantastic. Well, so, you, should, you should have seen Claire's face just now as well. <laughs> What's it, what was it called, sorry? It's called Samurai Shampoo. Samurai Shampoo. Okay. That's it's, a tongue twister. Yeah, it's really good. Check it out. It, I, I'm sick. I yeah, think there's only... That. Oh, Claire's seen it, yeah. Oh, I think there's 23 <laughs> episodes. I've watched the first six and, yeah, totally hooked. Cool. Uh, oh, uh, so I won't go into too much on that. And finally, just to wrap up very quickly, I also watched the whole of the Netflix series Age of Samurai. Oh, yes, yeah. 
excuse me, I downed a can of cherry Pepsi Max before we started and it's uh, trying to escape. Um, so it's basically, it covers a 30-year span at the end of, well, not at the end, but a 30-year span of feudal Japan, how mm. they went from all of the areas being controlled by their own clans. Basically, one clan started getting bigger and bigger and kind of took over. Um, mm. And the guy who started it gets superseded as they go along the way and all the rest of it. But it's just incredible. So it's a, it's a dramatisation of historical events. So it cuts between talking heads of historians and you know them actually playing it out oh, as it cool. oh it's just incredible I, I watched it i watched all six episodes that's so about five hours long i watched it in one go and when it get to got to the end i was so gutted i was tempted to go back and start the whole thing again it's so entertaining um pretty brutal and nasty in places but i mean it, it's historically accurate as, as much as they can mm. tell so it kind of would be, but yeah, it's a really, really good story. So if you get the opportunity, make your way through that. And that finally is everything I've watched <laughs> in the last two weeks. That's been a busy two weeks. Or a not busy two weeks. I've literally been <laughs> working, gymming and watching stuff. And that's literally it. Oh, except for, I would like to say a massive thank you very quickly. Uh, Adam, guest on the show previously um when we did uh what did we do it was a netflix anime thing castlevania castlevania yeah and we were joined by adam uh, i met up with adam day before yesterday in london and he took me around the natural history museum oh excellent because cool. i'd never been it was a bit of a fleeting <laughs> visit we only had like an hour and a half because we were going off to see book of mormon so we stopped in mm. on the way um, which is great isn't it Oh, I literally had to wipe tears away from my face. <laughs> I laughed so hard. And it's and it's a musical. And, and you still enjoyed it. Well, when we got out, Jennifer was sort of said, oh, I wasn't sure if you'd like it because mm. it was so musical. But comedy musicals. I yeah, yeah. With. yeah. And it was just, yeah, I haven't laughed that hard in such a long time. So it's fantastic. But yeah, so thanks very much again to Adam for that. We need to get a welcome mm. to horror group together at some point and catch him on a day off again and get him to take us down and, and uh, show us around. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. It was fantastic. So anyone who's not been to the Natural History Museum, I like 40 years old, never been to the Natural <laughs> History Museum. I was missing out. It, mm. yeah, yeah. Definitely going back and doing like a full half day there at least. So mm. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, it's the wonderful thing is with it is um, I used to, uh, that was something where I used to just go on me up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you can just, because in a weird way, it's like, I don't want someone to have to put up with how long I'm going to yeah. stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, Lee, they do sleepovers at the National History Museum as well. Yes, he did mention that. And I did, I do like the sound of that. I've got him. And he said they, they do entertainment and like you get a full meal and everything. So, yeah, I, I could totally see myself doing that. Yeah, thank you, Claire. But yeah, I think that's definitely one of the things on my hit list to do at some point once the world goes back to normal. Also, a big thank you to uh, Erie Essex. Uh, yeah. Where they gave us a lovely shout out. So thank you for that, mm-hmm. ladies. And um, yeah, go listen to that. And obviously go listen to uh, Not For Everyone. 
Absolutely. Oh, uh, to the ladies from Erie Essex who asked when we're covering Rosemary's Baby, just for you, we've added it to the end of our current watch list. So in the next six weeks or so, it will be coming up. So we're going to cover it uh, just for you. So there you go. Mark of support for Essex People Podcasting. <laughs> and, and we have um, also some uh, a late uh, dispatch from uh, Joe Watson, who's watched... Uh, the Netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah, mm. um, and he gave. I think he said he gave it seven out of ten. Oh yeah, like it's not. Yeah, because it's what is weird. I just keep hearing so many sort of things where people are like, oh, so crap, and then other people that is, oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just don't believe either of them. So yeah, I, I need to check it out. As I say, if it wasn't for the fact I, I wanted, I had so many things I wanted to hit before we got to this episode. Yeah. Uh, although none of them will be in any way relevant and be discussed, I for my own sanity. You know, yeah, I just sometimes I just like to get into a little niche and just sit in it for a while, and that's where I've been for the last fortnight. So I didn't want anything that was going to encroach on that. But yeah, that's definitely next. I think. So just a quick one. Oh, just yeah. before we start, have you seen the the stuff for Studio Six Six Six? No. Um, Foo Fighters have made a horror film. Oh, <laughs> I heard yeah. all of this. I wasn't sure. If yeah, it's, it's, it's been made. No, I think it's actually been made. Oh yeah, I need to see that. Yeah, I was. I thought to myself, yeah. No. I'm not a massive Foo Fighters fan. But their music videos, I don't know if they still are, but they used to be magnificent. So yeah, I, I not only that, but also um, I'm not a big Foo Fighters fan. I'm a massive Dave Grohl fan. Though. That's right. That's that's me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We need to also. Uh, uh, Glenn Danzig has got a new one out. A cowboy zombie. A cowboy vampire <laughs> movie. Um, all oh, right, okay. I think all of his movies could be described as cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> it shows on IMDb that it came out last year, but I cannot find it to watch or buy anywhere. So I don't know if it's been universally panned and has disappeared or if they're just having distribution issues. But maybe, yeah. maybe it's just Danzig's finally discovered the emotion of shame. <laughs> He's trying to remove it. Too late, Glenn. Too late. <laughs> Decades too. I love the Misfits, but that last film was just oh painful. Hmm. So, without further ado, let's get this again. This has turned like the Sherlock Holmes episodes again. I can't wait to just have this off of my plate now because it's just been stewing away for so long. Hmm. So, I have. Cannot wait to hear <laughs> what Chris made of Tokyo Gore Police. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say thanks a lot for showing me this, you insane bastard. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little line from the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, as we said earlier, it's got Tokyo, it's got gore, it's got a lot of gore. And it's got some police. They're a bit weird police, but there are definitely <laughs> yeah. police in it. So as it says in the tin, yeah, I, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I was thinking, it, it's entertaining. Like, how much gore can they fit into this? I was like, <laughs> yeah, what, what scene's going to come next? And I, I was enjoying it. 
it's a bit different. I was kind of thinking, actually, it's a pretty good culmination of... Uh, it had a bit of a Starship Troopers, Psycho Gorman, The Giver, John dies at the end, mm. and a little bit of society halfway through, <laughs> where yeah. he gets a massive penis, and he's attacking people with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, this, this seems like a pretty good... <laughs> end to everything we're watching so yeah but actually right it does the the uh the deeper i'm gonna i'll say deeper level story it started to come through i was like okay yeah you're you're keeping me interested right up to the end Uh, like it wasn't you know it's not groundbreaking but it's good enough and i thought yeah actually i'm really quite enjoying it so i i I didn't know where i was going to be you know when it got to the end but i would definitely I would definitely watch it again, and I would definitely watch another one by, you know, the same people that were involved in it. Like, Excellent. The, the acting was good enough, you know. It was like, yeah, <laughs> that's all right. The the woman, I liked her. Her sort of darkness. Obviously, she was a bit crazy with the old self harm, but you know. Yeah, I I sort of remembered that self harm weirdness, <laughs> the, the adverts all the way through for the specific mm. knife, and like I just. Yeah, I get what that was doing in it at all, but a lot of it I didn't get what it was doing. Yeah, well, it was it's, just... it's fascinating though, right? I, I sort of, you know, um, I, I sort of wonder if I was Japanese, how would it come across to me? Like, because mm. is it is it out there for Japanese or like some of our indie films can be a little bit weird, but you kind of still. You know, you kind of get it, but I think that's the thing. I, I mean, I know obviously we covered Ringu before, which was yeah. a, a massive international snap smash because it, it's a more straightforward narrative. Mm, but mm, Japanese yeah. cinema is like this. All, all of it yeah. that I've seen is like this. It's it embraces that absolute over the topness, mm. and it doesn't try to explain it. It doesn't try yeah. to. It doesn't try to do the Marvel <laughs> thing of putting it into a realistic. This yeah. is the science behind it. It, it just, just gets goes, on with it. There's a tumor <laughs> yeah. shaped like a key, and if you've got it, uh, yeah. you can cut parts of your body off, and they're replaced by weapons. <laughs> Turns into that's, weapons. Yes, yeah, that's it. That's all the explanation you need. You don't need to. Yeah. And it's just, and we say, and the others that we watched, you know, um, yeah, Robo Geisha and the Machine Girl, they're the same, exactly the same. So over the top, so exciting, so fun. Um, yeah, and just unapologetically weird and just crazy. Yeah. It, oh, it's fantastic. I love it so much. <laughs> I, I think it goes, it's, I know I, I know. I use this quote quite a lot, but it's that quote about blood duster. Good-naturedly offensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, actually, I can honestly say I am just over the moon, Chris, because, <laughs> you know, this is certainly a film that me and Lee have always agreed on like wholeheartedly because it is fucking balmy <laughs> and just so wonderfully mental. Mm. And yeah, I mean, we can, we can definitely point you in the direction of a handful of films that fulfill a similar sort of feeling. Or mm. sort of tone. I mean, like we said, Robo Geisha definitely has a um, it has that same sort of utter fucking absurdity. The one thing that I noticed watching Robo Geisha though was when 
the amount of times that I I just love the like the ridiculously expositional nature of the dialogue. Yes. Where it's literally everything like you're putting a blade in my face. That's very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, so because it, it's it was weird watching that and then sort of thinking, well, Tokyo Gore Police was a bit more serious than this, and you're like, <laughs> that's and it was, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's just an interesting thing, but it's just this, it's a weird little thing because it was the mid, it was like two thousands, like the 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 periods like sort of 2000 to about 2012 had this sort of real batch of this absolutely fucking mad stuff coming out of Japan Mm. and it's from roughly the same group of people like so like the director of this uh, Yoshihiro Nishimura um and again, apologise because I'll have fucked that up. Um, uh, yeah, he is like an effects guru, and mm. I've seen him described as the Tom Savini of Japan. Yeah, okay. And it's and that definitely, I think, because yeah. he's just he's done he's worked on so many other films as well as being a director. Because Tokyo mm. Gore Police was like his. It wasn't his debut, and actually, this is really fucking annoying. Um, he did a film called Anatomy, uh, uh, Anatomia Extinction, mm. and when I was sort of looking into, uh, when I was looking into this, like for the research for uh, doing Tokyo Gore Police, and there was like this huge thing where it was like they were saying basically, Tokyo Gore Police is a remake of mm. this film that he did on a much lower budget as like almost like a student filmmaker. And, but it has similar key, th- like the, the keys are in there. The key shaped tumors are in there. And yeah. um, the engine, like the concept of the engineers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so annoying. Cause I was like, right, I've got to track this film down. And so I think someone like released it on Blu-ray about two years ago, like as a limited edition. So it is fucking gone. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, like sort of. I think it was like limited to a thousand copies or something like that. And it's just like because I really would, so I would so love to see it. But yeah, mm. I mean, it's bound to be um, available somewhere else. I don't know, but I mean, I think that uh, yeah, they, it sort of sounds so good. But basically, yeah, that was his calling card. And then he was doing effects work on loads of stuff. He ended up doing. Um, Oh, he ended up forming um, an actual makeup special effects company, mm. uh, the Nishimura Iso company, um, which then became part of like a major production house. So it was like everything was all together, and so that you get this weird thing where they're because um, I didn't I didn't realize this until I was watching an interview um, with uh, Nishimura that the adverts aren't directed by him the oh, no. adverts are directed by the director of machine girl ah because um yeah it's um because he said to him look i think would it be interesting if you had a different eye on these so they wouldn't look as part of the f- the overall film yeah and again that definitely works but again going back to that thing it's 
very Robocop. And like you said, mm. Chris, with like Paul Verhoeven with like Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. There's that same thing of it going back mm. um, to that just mental commercial stuff, like the one where it's where it's basically you can remote execute someone with a Nintendo <laughs> Wii, yeah, uh, which is just brilliant. And actually, there's the there's the thing in this as well that I can't I can't help but think might be something that is not as extreme or unusual if you're familiar with the culture. Because mm. you were saying, Chris, like how much of this seems weird when you yeah. don't. But like there's the, the, the woman who is, she's essentially the police dispatcher, but she's like a cheerleader. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and which then goes even more mental. <laughs> but, there's a, but there's similar stuff in Cowboy Bebop. Mm. There's like, they get update videos, don't they? Of That's like right. the... And it's a similar sort of thing. It's like to, it's a man, the woman dressed as cowboys, mm. and like all sort of like you know, real sort of cheerleading, yeehaw sort of stuff. And I wonder if that's something that actually has is much more prevalent in the culture. So it's not actually as weird as it seems to <laughs> us. But I just love that that concept that you've got the police dispatcher, but it's been turned into this like sort of mental glamorous. Uh, uh, sort of pep talk sort of thing. It's really good. Mm. There's um, loads of little things like that in this. Like, why have the police cars got house roofs on them? Well, no, I just, I what, why? I, I just, I mean, it's fantastic, and it just makes me laugh. And it's easy to spot the police cars because they've got house roofs on them when they're driving around. Yeah. It's just totally meant, and 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 the fact that. It's supposed to be the big reveal that the police chief um, mm. is actually a bad guy when the whole time he's got an amputee. Uh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. That was one of my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, who could be the bad guy in this? Is it possibly the man who comes to your birthday party with an amputee cyber gimp on a lead? You know, it's not. It's not a look that sort of says trust. <laughs> but but dumb. again, I mean, and and this is all sort of like, uh, like sort of the whole thing with uh, Nishimura is he said that a lot of it was just images he had mm. that he then wanted to place in because I think at one point um, that. That character, I can't remember what it's because it's prisoner something or other. Uh, yes, but, it's a prisoner number. Yeah, and I can't think what it is, but it's. Um, but apparently, that character was almost in the strip club or like the brothel, mm. where you've got snail girl and crocodile yeah, girl that, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and and I love that because that just is such a cyberpunk moment but also like just comedy when it's the increasingly weird strippers and eventually it's a chair that breathes yeah yeah and but it's that hushed tone amongst the the mm. uh crowd as they're like oh and 
almost you can almost see that it's like that this might have broken through to all these very fucked up people that maybe that's a bit wrong <laughs> and then they all just cheer because it's made them feel fucked up yeah and it yeah I just love that because it it felt like a it, it was like a proper art gallery moment when it's like or like Bugs Bunny Leopold he's a genius you know <laughs> people people are just hushed by this amazing <laughs> but it yeah that that was that was a bit of a society moment the, yes. the chair as well <laughs> yeah it's mm. and and again it's it's one of those things where. There again, there's a scat, there's a scatological nature to it, mm. or like a sort of purian titillation nature to it that is kind of um, like that is something that is like a, a an element of humor that the Japanese don't have that distinction against. You know, it's like sort of over here. It's like, oh, well, we w- we wouldn't have farts or people falling over in our show. We'd just do, you know, it's all lines and everything else like that. Whereas I think there's much more of a sort of thing with this. And it's like, right, would it be funny if they like, you know, shit razor blades everywhere? Yeah, do it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I, so I said to Jennifer, uh, saying about confusing these films, I sort of said to her. Oh, you know, I'm going to watch Tokyo Gore Police for the podcast. Do you want to watch it? And she was like, "Is that the one where the woman's got her boobs replaced with guns?" And I was like, "No, that's Robo Geisha." She went, "I think yeah. I'm. I think if I've seen one, I don't need to see the other." No, you should. Yeah, well, you should have said this is the one where she's got her boobs replaced with acid spraying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. also happens in uh, Robo Geisha. <laughs> <laughs> but the um yeah there's it's i mean like um the again the story is quite fucking like everything about it is heightened and like just beyond Mm. like the idea where it's like they've um the scientist who becomes key man Mm. or the it's he injects himself with the genetics of every murderer on yeah. planet Earth. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're just all in there. And immediately it's like, it's like so I've now spawned an insane biomechanical killing machine. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is highly fucked up shit. It's just, yeah. But it's, but it's so fucking cartoonish. Mm, yeah. yeah, and yet, yeah. and yet, oddly, not in other moments. I think that's that's definitely something. Is that sort of there's a tonal thing with these where it's like, like I mean, Robo Geisha is essentially like you know a tale of two sisters who end up hate you know start off hating each other and then become close and so on and so forth and everything, mm. but with demons and. Um, cybernetically enhanced geisha assassins and um, um, the bit with the shrimps in the eyes yeah you know? I ju- yeah and, and, and the bit that got me that i'd forgotten all about is the bit when she is surprised when she basically turns into a tank from the waist down and then yes. drives down the highway faster than all the cars. i'd forgotten all about that and i was like 
yeah that's that's the level you know like we said Chris, when we watched Thanks Killing, and you said, mm. can't believe that you'd forgotten the opening scene is a pair of boots until you've seen the rest of the film, and then you go, oh, yeah, it pales into insignificance. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Like, it gets, and you go, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten all about, and I'd forgotten in this about the woman who's got a crocodile mouth instead of legs. Because yeah. there's so much other stuff surrounding it that you just forget so much yeah. of this film. <laughs> I must confess, I I think I I did have a real I did have a really annoying moment as well because I, I watched Meatball Machine a little while back. I think I mentioned it on the show, hmm. and I'll admit it. I watched I watched it and I was like, "Fuck!" I wanted to watch Tokyo Gore Police, didn't I? <laughs> because because everything I was like waiting for all the bits in Tokyo Gore Police that never showed up, mm. and I was like, "Yeah, I was I've I've mixed the two up." I thought I'd done that right up to the end because I was like, I was sure there was a bit in this where someone has their legs cut off and they the blood sprays out so hard, they use it to propel themselves to fly through the air around the room. And I was like... Yeah, by injecting oh. themselves with adrenaline. Yeah, I thought I <laughs> must is- have made that up or seen it in another film. And then it happened and I was like, oh, thank God I'm not going crazy. Thank God the man is now flying around <laughs> by his own blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think uh, the thing I like about it as well is, again, you saying about people being in on it is like everyone knows how desperately over the top they need to be in this Mm -hmm. to work with the effects and with the Mm storyline and everything else like that. So it's not it is not a film of subtle performances necessarily, but everyone is manically right for this thing. It, I mean, it works, like, I mean, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. And it is cartoonish. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like, right yeah. From the off, when it's up on top of that semi-built building, she takes yeah. out the bazooka, points it at the floor, yeah. fires yeah. it, it launches her into the air and she lands on top of the building so she can fight the guy. You're like, yep, that is mm. what. that is all you need to know about what is going to happen for the next hour and 40 minutes. Mm. Yeah. And actually, actually, uh, Hishina, uh, who plays Ruka, um, obviously she's um, she's the lead. Well, the, the the main character in well, sort of the, the the female protagonist of Audition. Yeah, very and, different film, very which is a totally different <laughs> film. But again, that is a film I think we need to show Chris at some point because on a on an utterly different level. Because again, that's the thing. It's because it's uh, Meet Takeshi. Mm. And the fact that Mick Takeshi can sort of hold his own with Tokyo Gore Police, like in terms of the weird shit he's had in films. Yeah. But then you watch Audition, and Audition is a very straightforward, apparently, film. Mm. With and But there's nothing in it. There's nothing in it, sadly, that's unbelievable, despite <laughs> the fact it has some fucked up shit in it. Yeah. But yeah, Audition is one we'll definitely cover so uh, you know we'll see her again i think Um, audition is that middle ground between this and ringo okay it's kind of set in the real world but it gets really really nasty (laughs) Mm. yeah but i could imagine that she could play well in yeah in a different style film relatively straight yeah yeah exactly but it works like 
for her as character. Part, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. that's the that's the thing as well. Is, is it's a very difficult balance that there's certain people. Similarly, with Robo Geisha, mm. is and I'm just because I watched it yesterday, but it's like the main uh, the female leads in both of these has to play a very straight almost um sort of not i'm trying to think of a bloody word but basically yeah very straight and taking the melodrama and the sort of stuff and going with it wholeheartedly and sincerely yeah mm. you know which is but also in the same film where there's like well, in the same film that there are shrieking men floating around on their own heightened blood supply yeah. and fighting a sword-limbed cyber gimp, <laughs> but still sort of sell the, I'm doing this because my dad was killed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's definitely this style of film, because having just watched... Um, the machine girl is the same. So mm, the beginning yes. of it, it, it starts off pretty seriously and it, it ends up being exactly like this, really. Well, more like mm. Robo Geisha, possibly. But yeah, it starts off very, it's the story of a girl. She's lost her parents. She's looking after a younger brother. Every her parents commit suicide because everyone thought he was a murderer. And although he was acquitted, nobody had let him forget it. And everyone was convinced he was guilty. So he takes his own life, leaving her to look after the younger brother. And then the younger brother is bullied by a Yakuza boss to the point where he dies. And then she just goes nutso. Mm. But it, as you say, it's, it starts off, it's quite it, almost like a melodrama. It's very serious. Yeah. Right up until the point that she has her arm replaced with a machine gun. <laughs> and then yeah. all hell breaks loose. And then it goes mental. <laughs> But it's it, but there's always a similar there's always a similar thing within certainly I mean I think that in terms of Japanese culture obviously manga is you know so uh, such a integral part of it like and the fact that in Japan comics are not just superhero things it's like there's a weird thing I can't remember who said it was almost like Western comics withered on the vine because they just went down a very narrow path of yeah. comics are superheroes. I mean, okay, you, you, obviously now I think it, that's something that's been readdressed a lot and people like Alan Moore and stuff where they're creating much different things. But even, even people like Alan Moore came up doing Swamp Thing and, you know, like just the, the standard sort of like DC or Marvel superhero stuff. Whereas in Japan, there's literally everything is available as a comic. Mm. You know what I mean? There's like, it's like you want soap opera, you want, you know, romance, whatever, cyberpunk, you know, it's, they're, they're all, whatever it is, it's that narrative form is there. So I wonder if that's what lends the cartoonishness of it because comic and cartoon almost, you know, coexist together it's the reason mm. why it's only it's only since special effects caught up that you could do decent superhero movies but before that they were all cartoons yeah, yeah. Mm. 
And, but, and yeah. the effects in this, as massively mm. over the top as they are, and as much as they're clearly on such a mega budget, mm. I think they look really good for like yeah. for what they've done. It's fantastic. It's you know, I mean, like getting someone and cutting them. They they, they seem to be able to make the most perfect severed heads I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Like it, it isn't just a generic severed head. It looks exactly like the actor you've just seen. It clearly isn't because it's just been, you know, kicked across the yeah. room and now it's, you know, it's, it, it, I, it's oh, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. It's fantastic. I love the satirical element with the adverts as well because you've just reminded me of something. The bit where it's like the, pol- the police are friends to your children. Mm. And it's like a maniac's come out and shot these children. But don't worry, the ghosts of these children will laugh and smile as the police play football with the villain's head. (laughs) And it's like, you know, there's nothing fucking subtle in there. It's wonderfully (laughs) just sort of like, yeah, it just gives you what you need to know. It is is the Robocop advert Mm, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And similarly, you know, where it's like marketing... Uh, blades for self harm, but market them mm. to teenage girls. So they've got look, there's four to collect, yeah. and you know, sort of different <sighs> looks and yeah, shoot, it's just cute. Think, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's just a really yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it, 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 the other well, thing. It, it's the police as well. The way they change. So at the beginning, they are kind of just. Although, as you say, the advert does show oh, look, here's a serial killer. We're just going to shoot him in the face. We're not even mm. going to bother taking him to court. So, mm. But other than that, they kind of seem like your normal police right yeah. up until the point that she realises something funny is going on. And then they're just executing people in the street for no apparent reason and laughing their tits off about it and yeah. tying a woman to four cars and pulling her to bits yeah. for no real reason. I mean, <laughs> well, apart, apart from traumatising the lead. Because obviously that, that she's had that connection with her. Mm. She's sort of like been a friend to her for years and everything. And it has to be said, for an amazing effects film, when they put when they pull her in off, that's fucking gash. I will say that. It just looks fucking awful. The bit that made me laugh is she realises something's going on with her friend. She runs the whole way across town and then stops yeah. to get her that's- breath next to the police car while her friend is still alive and while yeah. she's getting her breath back she gets torn into pieces it's not it's not too late at that point you could you know sever those cords and save her but that's where she has to stop and double over and get her breath back and that last few seconds is that that bridge too far that she can't take it anymore and gets ripped to pieces i decided that her internal organs were already severed she was gone <laughs> it's too late it's- not wishing to sound grim, but I suppose the mechanics of it is does it fuck things up if you cut one? Because you can't do them all at oh, once. Yeah. yeah, so you'd have the pressure. You say, yeah, you could be right. At that point, you might do the tension and just get her ripped in half by three, well, ripped in three rather than four. I'd, I'd also suspended most of my disbelief by this point. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this is not, this is, the good thing is, you, this is never going to be one of those ones where it's not going to, it definitely doesn't have a sort of feeling of you're going to turn over and go, is this a documentary? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing. I don't think you can be offended. I know a lot of people are offended by, not offended by, but aren't fans of gore and find it disturbing. Mm. 
Mm. But that's why I love it's... these films because it's gore to such a cartoonish level. Yeah, yeah. It is. You can't take it seriously. It mm. is it's... just laugh out loud. It's gore. Monty Python. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's putting your finger in the end of a gun, you know, yeah. sort of combat. It's bottom. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. Just, yeah, it's... But the super gore version. Yeah, it's <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, so you've got... Um, like I said, so he's also... Um, Nishimura's also done... There's a new meatball machine, Meatball Machine Kadoku. Yes, um, I saw that, but I didn't manage to... I, I, by the time I'd spotted it, it was too late to order it to get it delivered in time, so I had to yeah. pass on that. There's there's one I really want to see that he's done called Speak Man the Boo, which is about a little speaker that's like a robot that works in a in a mine and then the mine closes down and it's just this sort of little orange speaker with legs <laughs> that goes around. See, it seemed quite cute, you know. So, but uh, but there's like. Um, yeah, I mean, as a director, he did Anatomia Extinction, that meatball machine, Speaker Man, the Boo. Uh, Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Couldn't track I that down think, either. I think I've seen that. Uh, Mutant Girl Squad. I've got that, but uh, I didn't get time to watch it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Hell Driver. Uh, Tokyo Dragon Chef. Um, <laughs> I know. That, I mean, that just on its own sounds bloody marvellous. <laughs> Um, and oh, Horny then, House of Horror. Yes. Oh, the, there was a no. There was a thing came up on something someone was in that I thought could look quite good, but I'll come back to that when I remember. Um, and uh, but effects wise, he did Meatball Machine, uh, Shin Godzilla, Robo Geisha, Death Train, Blind Beast versus Dwarf, and again. Well, I bet that does what it says on the tin. Um, <laughs> Dead Sushi, Rubber's Lover, and uh, Zombie Ass, The Toilet of the Dead. <laughs> I mean, so, you I'd know. watch it. It's a problem. Yeah, I, I fuck, would. I would. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's the weird thing is that there's, you know, there's no way of telling what that movie's, how that movie's going to feel. Mm. But mm. it's definitely going to hit certain beats. <laughs> you know, that's that's what you that's what you can say for it. I think um, I've got to, I've got to do my due diligence though. I have got to take issue when they said about when they had the list of murderers. They included Charles Manson, who technically never killed anyone, and uh, James Jones, which I suspect is Jim Jones, and I think he only ever killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> However, saying that, both of them did older murders. Like it was fucking Deliveroo. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they can sort of still count on that. But the other names that were in there, I did spot Dennis Nielsen, Ed Gein. Um, but also I had to look up Maria Gonzalez, who is with her sister, uh, Delfina, uh, is, was part of a murder team known as Los... I'm going to say this fucking shit. Los Paquirchis. Um, who basically they ran a brothel in the late 50s early 60s in Mexico hmm. and um, eventually after a lot of sort of strange happenings the police turned up and found 98 bodies hmm. uh, men women 
uh, unborn children, and wow. yeah, they. Uh, but apparently, here's this is the interesting thing. So they ran a brothel. They would hire people saying it's a cleaning job, hook them on heroin, get them to work in the brothel, and then when they got old or their looks went or they went mad, they killed them and just buried them. And if a bloke turned up with quite a lot of money, they just killed him rather than. <laughs> Wow. And um, yeah. Have, and we, have like, we never heard of that? that this Last is what podcast, I mean. This, what, you, what, what have you been doing? Last podcast, Red Handed. I don't think a true, um, true crime podcast, I don't think I've heard anyone talk about them. But clearly, it's a story that's well known enough that <laughs> her DNA is used prominently in Tokyo Gore Police. <laughs> so, yeah. But. Um, yeah, I just think that, yeah, you've got that whole sort of, but yeah, there it's a very, and like a lot of the actors cross over. Mm. And like I said, Nishimura's in um, Robo Geisha, I think he's in a few other films. There's two directors in this. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who, um, I'm not sure who, um, uh, which character it is. Um, but yeah, two of the directors in this, uh, there's two other Japanese directors in this who also um, do similar sort of films and stuff like that. And I think it's, yeah, there's just a, it's like sort of early 2000s comedy where it was like, well, um, Kevin Eldon's going to turn up. Yeah. If Kevin Eldon turns up, probably this one and that one. And, <laughs> you we, know. Um, uh, funny you say that, actually. Uh, we The other night, just before bed, we were like, oh, let's just put something on for a you know, something humorous just for 20 minutes, half hour. So you put um, on a dress and swished around, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we put on Brass Eye. Um, yeah, and forgot the amount of people who were in that, who you then just see. Yeah. yeah and you're like, oh, wow. Well, it's, it's good that it didn't damage their careers after it was <laughs> after the, yeah. uh, uh, the massive uh, backlash against that show. Because we watched the, the, the special that was on at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and Love Simon it. Pegg, Kevin Eldon, mm. yeah, yeah, all these people who who it's you actually, know now. It's, the, it's the big train team. Yeah, all end up in Brass Eye at various points and stuff. And actually, this still was, as funny uh, I, as ever. Absolutely hilarious. Although it shouldn't be. It, it is. <laughs> listen, listen. You can never underestimate the genius of. It's very difficult these days to think of the British Isles without the word pedof in the middle. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. Oh. I, one thing I will say, just as a closing statement with Tokyo Gore Police, and this is a terrible thing. We haven't had a door in our lounge for about a year uh, due to uh, it being removed and then several lockdowns and so on and so forth. But, yeah, we finally have had uh, a, a living room door for the first time <laughs> in a year. So Tokyo Gore Police was the first film I've managed to watch for this podcast without, well, as loud as I wanted to. <laughs> and But more importantly, the ridiculous thing is I usually have to watch stuff with subtitles. And even though I could have this as fucking loud as I wanted, <laughs> I still was reading subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, it's I, fucking worth it. <laughs> I am looking forward to being able to go back and watch films now, yeah, without having to have subtitles on because I've spent the last two <laughs> weeks been, yeah. nothing but subtitles. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, so to close out, definitely go and watch this. It's amazing. Uh, and the subsequent films. So for our next episode... Uh, we are going to be covering a film that Adam and I saw at the cinema at the Gore Zone weekend. Mm. Uh, the reason I wanted to cover this was twofold. One, when Chris and I this year went to Horror on Sea, we saw a Daniel Harris movie. Mm. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so I wanted to watch this because it's one of my favourite Daniel Harris movies. I love this film so much. I must have seen it loads. Uh, and there is, I don't know if, I'll, I'm sure I'll tell the story again next week, but there was an actor in it. And I'm sure when we left the cinema, I said to Adam, I really hope I see him again. He was really good. And then I just watched him in uh, the latest James Bond film. So good to see mm-hmm. him out and working. Uh, so we are going to be watching Blood Knight, The Legend of Mary Hatchet. Uh, yeah. Low budget film. Which I don't think I've seen since Gorefest. So I'm going to be really interested to see it. You're in for a treat. I believe it might be on Netflix. Oh, okay. Double check. Obviously, (laughs) I bought it as soon as it came out after we'd seen it because I loved it so much and I've watched it half a dozen times. Um, But, yeah, I think I saw it recently. I checked and it was on Netflix. I I definitely found it somewhere to watch online on a subscription Mm -hmm. thing that we've all got. So somewhere like that. Um, Yes. So go and track down a copy of that. Hopefully you won't regret it. It's back to super low budget independent movies, but mm. done really well. So excellent. To look forward to. Yeah, looking forward to. <laughs> On oh, Bill Mosley, never go wrong with Bill Mosley. Right. So thanks ever so much for listening, everyone. Uh, go and check out Tokyo Gore Police. Go and watch Blood Night. Go and listen to Eerie Essex. Also listen to Not for Everyone podcast. Obviously, at Brothers Across Seas. And we shall see you all in a fortnight's time for Blood Night. Good night. Good night. Good night.